Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work from the American University of Beirut. I'm Rami Khoury, your host. Every week I talk with a professor or a scholar, researcher, doing um, work in some field, and there are many of those fields at AUB across the whole uh, gamut of academic um, and real-life research. Uh, but today I'm very happy to have as my guest uh, once again on this uh, podcast, uh, Professor Rami Zre. And I've asked Rami Zre to come back and talk to us because his expertise is particularly relevant today. He is a professor, tenured professor in the Department of Landscape Design and Ecosystem Management at the Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences. Uh, and he's the director of the Food Security Program. And one of the regional and leading world experts on uh, food systems around the entire globe. So, uh, Rami, thank you for being with us. Thank you for inviting me, Rami. It's a pleasure to be with you again. You bet. Well, you, you're the man of the moment with your knowledge. There's so much we read in the media uh, and hear about food problems, ports blocked in Ukraine, wheat uh, deficits all over the world, uh, and, and it's hard to always know how much the uh, reporting in the media is accurate or comprehensive. So I thought I would ask you to give us your interpretation as a real expert in this field. What is the situation broadly um, as a consequence of the Ukraine crisis and maybe as a consequence of, of other crises, maybe COVID, uh, world transportation systems? Uh, so where do you see the food security condition of the globe, I mean, that's pretty broad, but the globe and then the Middle East and uh, and Lebanon, and then we'll talk about specific issues. Okay, so like the food security, first of all, let me start, Rami, by, uh, by uh, uh, making a statement that's going to be important in our analysis later on. And the statement is that, is that food security ha is not only about the availability of food, Right. So it's not only about the fact that food may be available at the planetary level or at regional level or unavailable or available at national level, because right. there are many other dimensions to food security. But uh, these days and very often, we kind of summarize all of them into the issue of food availability. And that essentially is a, is a wrong approach with which paves the way to uh, to mistaken uh, analysis. And right. I'm not saying here that everybody who talks about needs to be an expert, but I mean, you know, the, the, the definition that frames our conversation is only one uh, uh, search engine uh, keystroke away. And uh, therefore, there is a lot of uh, sometimes, not a lot, but sometimes, uh, uh, some laissez-faire attitude, uh, and you know, uh, and, and going through the facile, uh, 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 the, the facile way uh, in order to create to 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 raise uh, interest in what uh, is being written in the media, and I think that's very important because very quickly I'm going to tell you what food security is. It's, yes. It certainly isn't only what is available because we know from the work of Amartya Sen that you can have stores full of food, but people will still die from famine because they will not have means uh, to make this food or to access this food. And this access can be economical, so they don't have the ability to purchase, to obtain. Uh, they don't have the privileges of access, or it can be uh, just physical, you know, physical access. 
But, yeah. you know, food security is also about consuming a healthy diet. So if you consume an excess of calories that is killing you by giving you diabetes or other cardiovascular or, or cardiovascular illnesses, well, you're not secure, right, in relation yeah. to food. And, uh, you know, if you have food today, you need to be sure that you have it tomorrow. And that is, you know, the, the one component of food security is that there is some kind of stability in the supply. So when we, when, when we, when we talk only about what is the state of the food today on the planet and that this is going to cause immediately distress in com- poor countries and countries of the South, of the South, where, where, you know, we're forgetting that people are already there are over a billion people in the world who are already uh, having food security issues, whose food security is either moderately or severely impaired and curtailed. And oh. so now that we've established this, let me move to what is making the, the front pages of, the, 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 of the, the, the news outlets today. And this front page of the news outlet is connected with the war in Ukraine. Okay, with, uh, with, with Russia's uh, 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 invasion of Ukraine and everything that is going on around that. And these situations are, of course, real and true. They are not uh, fabricated situations. Right. Okay, but people who've been working on climate change have been saying, uh, you know, that climate change is a tremendous problem that's going to lead to a decline in the availability of food, let alone the ability of people to access it because they won't be able to, 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 to build the livelihood that allows them to access food. They've been talking about this for a very long time. And those same countries who today, and same outlets who today are hammering in the, 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 you know, the, 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 the problem that is created by, in the, I mean, through the, the, the Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And I'm saying again, these problems are, are real have not given that much importance to the issue of climate change. So thus, in summary, these issues in which we're concerned about the availability of food in a, at, at a planetary level, these problems exist. And they're not only due to the war in, 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 uh, in Ukraine. The war in let Ukraine... Me, right, Rami, let, me inter- let me interrupt yeah. you for just a second to, add, sure. uh, to ask a question. Is, is the COVID pandemic also a factor that was there before the war that influences food? Indeed, absolutely. You know, there's been, I mean, we've written a lot about this. I mean, I've written a lot about this in the Arab, for the Arab region and globally, uh, you know, this, this is easily Googleable. This has had a tremendous impact, especially on the countries of the South, because they're the first, the global South, of course, that they're the first countries to, to suffer from any disruptions in the global uh, supply chain. And these disruptions have been very well documented. And there's been a reaction, by the way, in, in a lot of countries that, that has, uh, you know, that has d- d- addressed uh, uh, these issues by through uh, the work of charitable organization, by making food available, by making finances available, by uh, declaring food workers as invaluable and essential workers, which essentially meant that we haven't been giving them the, the I- importance before, but now we're doing that. And it's okay to allow them to go to work, even though everyone is quarantined, because they need to keep feeding the world. And the big question is, of course, what are they feeding the world? These value chains only take into account the response to a demand. And the demand that is created by the need to consume an ever-growing quantity 
and, uh, and the declining quality of food. And these are also part of uh, the, 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 what we call the food system outcomes, and they are part of the concerns that we have when it comes to food security. And if we want to focus on our region as well, uh, Rami, and I think it's important to do that. I mean, yeah. our region is a region of occupation, of war, of systematic damage and destruction of institutions, and has been suffering, even though, you know, the image that is sometimes conveyed is an image of, uh, of uh, uh, wealth and, and, and bountifulness of, of uh, oil, uh, or, you know, f- f- money is originating from oil. I mean, this region has been suffering from, uh, from, uh, from uh, food insecurity that has become systemic. To take Yemen, for example, and look at the figures for Yemen and the values for that. I mean, they're absolutely dreadful. Take Lebanon. Lebanon today, from a, a crisis that's, you know, that, that, is, that is, of course, multidimensional, and I'm not going to get into that right now because I'm sure yeah. your listeners know about it. But Lebanon is a country where you have about 70% of the people who the UN between 60 and 70 has declared to suffer from moderate or severe food insecurity. Wow. And that's a country that's like this. And this is not a country where people are dying in the street from famine. So food insecurity is not about dying in the street from famine. It's about not being able to access the right and healthy kind of food that fits one's uh, requirements, healthy requirements, but also one's cultural uh, needs and demand. And this is where we are. Now, where does the Ukraine crisis uh, come in? Globally, globally, and when we talk about the Ukraine crisis, by the way, we are talking only, essentially, not only, but essentially about grains, essentially wheat and barley, and about sunflower oil. You know, these are the two major exports. And, and that's why I wanted to start the way I started, because I wanted to tell you that there is more to food and food security than uh, uh, grains and, that, uh, and, and, and sunflower oil. There yes. is much more. There is a healthy diet. That is a right and a need for all the population of the planet. And this we can actually achieve. But let's go back to the issue of Ukraine. So Ukraine and Russia together, uh, it is estimated, depends on the years, of course, that they contributed to 30% of uh, what, has, what, was, uh, uh, what was traded. Now, you have to know that only 20% of the grain that is produced uh, globally is traded. Wow. So Russia and Ukraine together together contributed to 30% of 20% of the global production. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's, that's much less. That, that's like 7% of the global production. Yeah. And I'll put, you know, let's split them half and half, although Russia sometimes produces more and is producing more these days. You're looking at 3.5% uh, attributable to Ukraine. Which then can, you know, and, and that is if you eliminate completely what comes out of Ukraine, you're going to be three to five percent lower in terms of global production. But this three to five percent makes a big difference in terms of trade. Okay. Right. Because the market is thin and the, the production is thin. I mean, last year, last year, so the season before this one. The, the global reserves were, were in excess for wheat. So that's mm-hmm. why we, we, we didn't, I mean, we only are hearing, uh, uh, you know, people warning, you know, warning signs and right. not saying that there is currently a famine that is affecting an extra billion people. We're saying 
you know, we're in danger of having this famine. And of course, we're always in danger of having this famine because the confluence of the war and of climate change, which we're seeing today in the droughts that is sweeping through France, for example, which is, I think, the fifth wheat producer in the world and the biggest producer in Europe, if I'm not wrong, or closer to that. I mean, these are also going to impact uh, the production. And yes. the people are going to be most impacted are those countries that are reliant on the import of grain in order to satisfy their calorific requirement. And among these, very prominently, is the Arab region, because Egypt is the largest grain wheat importer in the world. Wow. And Algeria, for example, is the largest durum wheat importer in the world. So that's the wheat you make pasta from mm-hmm. and semolina. So, so this is a region that imports a lot and naturally so, which of course is, is, is I mean, you know, naturally so because the consumption is large and, uh, and uh, you know, the, 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 the needs are high and uh, the ecological ability of the region to produce has been impaired by... Right changes in the nature of the food system, changes in the nature of the agricultural production system, and conflicts and wars and changes in the use of land and interest in, in, in farming and the local production, all of these factors have combined together, have made these regions totally and completely dependent on the global market in order to satisfy their need. Now, as long as there was, you know, as the issue, the only issue was an issue of purchase, and that oil rent uh, was uh, uh, available uh, in countries that did not produce uh, oil, you know, through uh, the exchange of labor for oil rent and etc. That was a problem, but not an extremely big one. But now this is becoming increasingly squeezed because you have other issues such as conflicts, such as sanctions, such as uh, a reduction in the ability in the local production abilities that are combining in order to reduce the ability of those countries to cover their own needs, making them fully reliant uh, on the external market. Wow. And these are not issues that can be quickly changed overnight. Oh, the, I don't think they can. You know, we've, I mean, the, the Lebanon has a plan to increase. So let me take an example of Lebanon. I mean, Lebanon is a useful example because it has everything, an economic crisis and and uh, a constant yeah. conflictual situation and, and uh, you know, uh, and uh, some sanctions uh, uh, and, uh, you know, a number of issues and also has got uh, a limited uh, area for, 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 for production, a large number of refugee population, an increasing number of people who are falling through poverty. So that's Lebanon. And unfortunately, yes, it can be a tested case uh, for, for the entire region. So in Lebanon, needs about 600,000 uh, t- tons of wheat per year. That's about what, what it needs, right? And it produces, you know, all of these are estimates. So it produces anything between 130 to 200,000, depending on whose statistics you rely upon. And uh, because, you know, I mean, one other problem the, uh, in, in many of the countries of the Arab region is the absence of reliable statistics. I mean, that's a different issue. Uh, so, yeah. so it needs, it, it, it requires a balance of about 400,000 uh, uh, tons of wheat, which uh, used, they, we use to make bread, which is an essential part, covers about 30 to 50% of the daily calorie intake, depending uh, on the 
class uh, that uh, you're, 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 uh, whose diet you're analyzing. So that's actually tremendous. Huh? That's very big. Yeah. So, so Lebanon has uh, put forward a plan, which I think is reasonable, you know, to, to, uh, to increase the production, to double the production, double it uh, over the next five years. Okay? Right. That's, a, that's possible, though, you know, that's possible. But it needs very strict, very stringent measures. And you will still need to import uh, at least 200,000, probably more, because your population is growing and nobody knows what's going to happen. So even in, in the best case scenario where you're, you're paying, probably you're paying an opportunity cost price because nobody has done that, you know, when they put forward uh, these plans. Uh, let's say that we're able to increase it by 100,000 tons a year. That's 20,000 tons a year you're getting to only 50%, uh, uh, you know, your ability to produce locally what you need is 50%. And we haven't addressed any other food ingredient because humans do not live on bread alone, lest uh, we forget that. Yes, yeah. But these are, these are issues that immediately touch on so many other dimensions of life, uh, political efficiency, lack of corruption, citizen uh, respect for the legitimacy of the decision makers, um, efficient distribution systems, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's just so many factors that have to fall into place for a country like Lebanon or any other one in the region to make these significant policy changes that will lead to more food and 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 less food insecurity. Indeed, and the the biggest the big contradiction here, you know, the big inability to actually put these plans in place is that uh, you, you know Lebanon and many countries in, in, in the region, most of them at least today, I think, you know, are moving. I mean, Syria, might st Algeria might, might still be considered as exceptions in here. And I'm not talking about conflict countries like Libya and Yemen because, I mean, you know, there is zero, nothing, you know, nothing, no planning in there. Everything is destroyed. But Lebanon, since its creation, has been a, a, a republic of merchants. I think there is a very famous book called, you know, the Republic of Merchants, and and and, and it has uh, has fostered private sector uh, responsibility and private sector activity, and uh, and uh, you know reduced the role of the state uh, and uh, increased the role of uh, individual initiative uh, and so on, and, and you know uh, respected uh, private property. Uh, you know the Lebanese constitution. It does not account for the right of women, but does account for the right to private property. So, you know, that tells you a little bit when it was drafted, where did the important uh, issues go? So, so, so that in itself means that Lebanon is a country in which uh, a small group of, um, of uh, richer people, let's say wealthier, the wealthier group, who are connected, as we, you know, as is known to the political system and the banking system, Right. Uh, you know, control more or less the decision making about where where do we go from here, and I'm not sure that uh, whoever is implicated in in the merchant, the republic of merchants, so who makes uh, who concentrates uh, wealth and accumulates wealth through uh, exchange and trade, is going to be extremely uh, uh, happy or you know welcoming to uh, the state's interference, which right. in Lebanon people have politically tried to reduce to the maximum, to this new intervention in how things are done and to replace uh, the concentrated uh, profits from importing uh, you know, foodstuff and other stuff into a more diffused profit 
uh, of uh, producing it locally. If you see what I mean, you have 190,000 farmers. If the wheat is produced locally, you're spreading the profit from wheat over, you know, 100,000 farmers. Right. But if you're looking at import as your main source, you've got what five to seven large importers, and this yeah. is where the profits are concentrated. Yeah, and I but... think that is one part, one of the places where the difficulties uh, lie. One of the, I think, important places. Right. So if uh, we're, we're running out of time quickly, we have only about four or five minutes left. Uh, if we look at the energy situation in Lebanon, that uh, offers an example of what happens when there is a crisis and the state tries to bring about structural change that takes a long time and sometimes never happens. But in the meantime, the private sector kicks in and makes money off the crisis by running generators, importing fuel, whatever uh, the people w do things on their own. Is there a fear now that the, the elite wealthy class that controls much of the politics will just uh, make money by importing food and distributing it uh, through commercial channels? Well, I don't think the analogy, Rami, with, uh, with the energy situation is the same. Uh, let me t tell you, I mean, you know, that, and I think that's 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 relevant because what you're doing is through the through some imported uh, mechanism, you know, uh, tools, uh, technology, you're actually capturing the energy of the sun. While yes. in the in the previous situation, you're relying on two or three uh, uh, fuel importers in order to fuel the electricity of the country. So, in fact, it's the opposite. You know, the the. Yeah. The fact that, that people are moving towards green sources of energy with all the limitations that they have, and we don't have time to talk about it, but they do exist. Uh, the fact that moving is actually uh, taking people towards a local production of energy using a technology that is being purchased from abroad. Now it's too expensive. There is an issue of scale. It could have been yeah, at yeah. a much larger scale. There is a problem of feeding back into the grid, which doesn't exist currently, and therefore there is so much energy that's spoiled and wasted. But I think it's actually what we would like to see. And this is one of the situations in which the, the diffused private sector has actually uh, done, done something and competed. But right. in, in the other, you know, in the old, the traditional system that's, you know, well set, in which you have monopolies on import, the situation is different. And it's going to, it's likely to continue to be like that for for quite a while. Except that politicians within the sectarian systems, uh, none of them uh, want to see their, uh, you know, their uh, their public yeah. start. You know, they actually yeah. want to come in as uh, as the saviors by creating just enough uh, fear and demand, and then providing, which uh, makes them again and again as the heroes who save the days. And, uh, you know, when you know that uh, the, the hero can be unmasked uh, to reveal uh, the brigands themselves. Right. Uh, Rami, we've just about run out of time. Last question. You, if you're saying that only about 3 to 5% of, of global uh, wheat trade and uh, flour oil uh, is, is due to the war in Ukraine, that seems like a manageable figure, even though some countries like Egypt and Lebanon that import a lot have disproportionate uh, stress, but what is your what are your one or two suggestions? What do you think should be done, can be done realistically to alleviate these crises that people are warning about? That you know, next year it's going to be terrible if this goes on. What do you think can be done in the couple of minutes we have left? Well, I think you know there is no uh, alternative 
to being more self-reliant. But also, this has to come with ensuring and enshrining the right of people to a healthy diet that conserves their health, whatever their income group or their class is. And right. this is something that needs to happen at the level of every country. We need to extract, uh, uh, and not to extract, that's a wrong term. We need to, to, uh, to enter into a, a positive relationship with our, our landscape in order to uh, produce the best we can using ecological means that conserve it and at the same time return to it uh, all uh, what we are taking from it. And this equilibrium between humans and landscape in the, in the quest for food is an equilibrium that we need to reach. And to do that, we need to completely change the way we look at food and the way we look at food production in our country and globally. Wow. Well, on that uh, positive note, and also keeping in mind that historically, of course, much of the local food production and trade or whatever in the in the Middle East was done at a very local basis, villages and towns, and uh, and people did maintain this equilibrium for many, many centuries, right? Yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. I mean, let's say that uh, that uh, uh, things have changed and they haven't changed in a good way because uh, we have gotten used to the overconsumption of uh, foods which are which 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 impose a very heavy toll on the environment let me just get, end on this particular uh, note yes. okay that we, we 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 don't think that the issue in ukraine is irrelevant but it is it can be minimized if we accept that 50% of the grain that is produced worldwide is meant for animal production wow so reducing our consumption of meat and animal products by 50% will free 25% uh, more of the grain that is produced. That is enough for feeding the world theoretically because access by the poor of the planet will always remain a problem as long as we don't have social justice enshrined in the activities and in the economy that we adopt. Well, I'm glad you use the phrase social justice because that's what drives so much of your own research and and work and so much of the work of so many other professors at AUB and around the world who study these issues and try to find that balance between how economies work, how political systems work, and how ordinary people uh, try to live a decent life. So, uh, Rami, we run out of time. Uh, thank you so much for for being with me. Um, my host, my guest this week was uh, Professor Rami Zre, who is the director of the Food Security Program in the Faculty of Agriculture and Food Sciences and a leading authority on uh, regional and global uh, food systems. Thank you, Rami. Thank you, Rami. You bet. And thanks to our listeners for joining us and join me again next week for another episode of Professors at Work. Bye for now.